0: Well, good morning and welcome to the race. I began with a public service announcement to all men. Tuesday is Valentine's Day. (laughs) You have been forewarned. I had a problem early in my marriage because for some reason I thought Valentine's Day was always like the second Tuesday in February. And it's not. It's the 14th. 14th of February which happens to always be on Tuesday. So this Tuesday the 14th do something for your Valentine. I remember again early in our marriage Jamie had said for several weeks in our small little home in Abilene that we needed a humidifier for our bedroom. So on Valentine's Day I gave her a humidifier. I'm still confused by her response because that's what she said she wanted. At that time, I did not know her love language, which did not include humidifiers. And one reason we've had a good marriage is because Jamie has learned my love language. My love language is ESPN. I can understand almost any topic if you will give me a good sports metaphor. Which I think is why I would have loved the preaching of Paul. Because Paul would frequently draw from the athletic arena to communicate spiritual truth. He said in 2 Timothy 2 that the young man should be like the athlete that competes according to the rules. In 1 Corinthians 9, he talks about how he trains like a boxer. In uh, 2 Timothy, uh, he also, or 1 Timothy 4, he says, physical training is of some value. But by far, Paul's favorite sporting metaphor was running. And he frequently compared the life of discipleship to a race. And I really began to think a lot about this last year for a reason. Because last year, I decided if I was ever going to do it, it was time to try to train to run a marathon. And so I did, last November, run a marathon in Richmond, Virginia. I didn't tell many people about it, and I'll tell you why. Because for the next six weeks, you're going to get sick hearing me talk about My Marathon, but I did go to Richmond. I have a picture here of me reading runner's magazine There's Jamie who said she wanted to come along and encourage me and you can tell (laughs) Don't give her a hard time. She was listening to one of my sermons and that's just what happens when she does that (laughs) But we arrived in Richmond I ran the race and through the whole process of preparing for the race I began to see a lot of parallels between running and following Jesus And so I'm really excited for the next several weeks, we're going to go into a season of spiritual training. But it does no good for me to coach you if you're on the wrong track. Because the first thing a runner must do is choose the right race. So we're going to begin with what I call starting blocks that will be a foundation for the whole series. And here's the first. That everybody is running After something. And do you know who taught me that? Jesus. Jesus said everybody is a seeker. We're just seeking different things. But every person is in pursuit of something. We are wired to need something to live for. Something to set our hearts upon. Something to give our life Meaning. Now the problem, according to Jesus, is that most are spending their best energy chasing the external instead of the eternal. And if you are running for temporal rewards, you are going to be very tired and very anxious And here's why. Because what you're running after is affected by tomorrow and you can't control tomorrow. All you can do is worry about it. And so Jesus says, you know a lot about what a man is running after by how much he is worrying. He said in chapter 6 of Matthew do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. See, Jesus' message is not stop running. Instead, his message is examine your life Because maybe you need to get back on the right track. Jesus says, why are you wearing yourself out? Trying to accumulate more of what is just going to be somebody's future garage sale. Some years ago in Riverside, California, the NCAA had their National Cross-Country Championship. There were 128 runners. At one point in the race, 123 of them took the wrong turn. They got off the course. Only five runners took the right turn. One of them said, he shouted to the other runners, come this way. He said, they all laughed at me. Jesus said, This is life. There's a wide path. It doesn't wind up in a good place, but most people are just mindlessly running down it. Only a few find this narrow way. Be sure you find it because Jesus says, It is not true that one course is just as good as another. In fact, in the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gave Solomon centuries ago, he said in Proverbs 14, There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. We were reminded of that recently when one of our local sports heroes, Josh Hamilton, gathered press for a conference in which he admitted Errors in judgment involving his use of alcohol, which with his history as an addict, he just can't do. And he made this statement. My life in general is based on making the right choices. Everything as far as my recovery, as far as my baseball goes, it's all based around my relationship with the Lord. Now I give it everything I absolutely have. When I play on the field. When I don't do that off the field. I leave myself open. For a weak moment. So ask Josh Hamilton. If one course is just as good. As another. He would say no. The race you run. Can be a matter of life. And death. See that leads to principle number two. Everything. Hinges on the track you choose. See, I knew that when I was picking my marathon. There are marathons all across the country. They're all 26.2 miles, but they're not all on the same kind of course. The footage you saw that had the mile 19 marker was from my race in Richmond. And right after mile 19, there is a big hill. It's the hardest part of the race. But when you get to mile 20... I had studied the race, and I knew from there to the end, the last six miles were either flat or downhill. I knew as a first-time marathoner, I needed to find a course that I could handle when I was the most exhausted. Now, why would you want to choose a race that is just going to wear you down, that you can't ever And yet, this is what most people are doing, whether consciously or unconsciously. See, the problem, if you have made externals, if you've made temporal rewards, the prize you're chasing is that you will never be able to please the judges. And the judges of that race are appearance, performance, performance. And affluence. And they are never satisfied. Let me illustrate that. In 1974 there was a publishing phenomenon in this country. A new magazine was begun. Because the editors of Time noticed. And this says much about our culture. How enamored we are. With the most inane trivia. About famous people. And so they began a new magazine called. People. And in 10 months, it had over 1 million subscriptions. And how do you get in People magazine? Especially, how do you get on the cover? What sells? Well, the editor, Richard Stoley, has these four rules. He says, Young. Is better than old. Pretty. Is better than ugly. Rich. Is better than poor. And just having died. Is better than anything. And we've been reminded even in the last day. How tragically true that is. Now, do you really want that race? Because I don't care how many surgeries you have. Someone is going to show up and they're going to be younger. And someone's going to say they're prettier. Someone's going to gain more yards, make more sales, have a bigger house, make more money. You're not going to win that race. In fact... You're going to wind up forgotten until you die. You'll get your 15 minutes. And then the rat race will just keep on running. That race doesn't produce winners. Just worriers. And Satan wants you to just put your mind on autopilot. Jump on that wide road. And just mindlessly run with the pack. But the word of the Lord says, Psalm 16, verse 4, the sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. Now, here's the whole point of the first message and the foundation for the whole series you get to choose your race. You're not locked in by fate, by circumstances, by genetic code, by family history, by karma. You get to choose what you are going to run after with your life. This picture you're seeing right now is of a man named Ryan Hall. He's America's best marathoner. He's run the fastest marathon of any American. It was in Boston two hours and four minutes. He will represent us in the Olympics. And yet in college, he was not a great runner. He was trying to be a miler, and he kept coming in last. He's a strong believer, and so he prayed to the Lord. He prayed, Lord, I don't care what event you want me to do. I just want to do what you've created me to do. And what he learned was that God didn't wire Ryan to run short distances fast, but he wired him to run long distances fast well he changed course he chose the race for which he was created but there's more to the story i told you he was a strong believer and he was training with the team preparing for the olympics in the uh high country in california at higher altitude but he made a decision to go to lower altitude to train by himself because that's where his church was and he said It's more important to me to grow as a disciple than to grow as a runner. I can't be my best me if I'm not with my church. And he still made the Olympic team. And you need to know something else. He doesn't run for medals. He runs for a better cause. To help with the poverty in Africa. The next picture, you see him and his wife in their World Vision shirts. Through his running, he raises awareness particularly of the need for clean water in Zambia. And the money he's raised in his charity goes to digging wells. And he was in Zambia recently. He said a man came up to him and said, Because of your work, I will live ten years longer and my children will always have clean water. And Ryan says, That meant more to me than any metal they've ever put around my neck. He has found a better race. That's what Paul was saying in Acts chapter 20. To the Ephesian elders. However, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. There's another race. There's a race where a performance and appearance and affluence aren't the judges. There's a race where everyone has a chance to win. Because that's starting block number three. Everybody needs grace to run a good race. Now, some of you probably have memberships at fitness clubs. In fact, some of you probably have memberships at fitness clubs you never use. Fitness clubs are their own worst enemies because they alienate the very people that need them most. How do fitness clubs advertise themselves with pictures of absurdly thin women and ridiculously sculpted men? And the message they send to the people that need their work the most is, you don't really belong here. And that's the message people get. And over and over in their uh, polling, they find that people say, I would feel awkward there. I would feel out of place there. People would stare at me there. I don't belong there. So I read with some interest about a new center in Chicago called Downsize Fitness. And here's the kick. You can't join that club unless you need to lose at least 50 pounds. And people are going and getting the help that they need. And I wondered as I read that, how many people need the message of grace, the message the church has to offer, and yet they're intimidated to come and hear that message because we've learned how to put on the look that says, we have got it all together. Well, I've got a word for you if you are a guest and you feel that way. I know the people at this church. I know the people in this room. They are seriously flawed people. (laughs) We all are. We all depend on the grace of God to keep going. We're people that have chosen a different path. Not because we're so good, but because Jesus is. It's not our grit. It's not our greatness. It is the grace of God. God that sustains us. And there is room on the path that we are on. It's a narrow path, but there's room on it for more struggling runners. Because our path is not the path of appearance, performance, affluence. It's not the path of achieving. It's the path of believing, of trusting in the grace of God. I noticed that in the, what I call the Hall of Champions. There's a chapter in the Bible called Hebrews 11. It has all these champions of faith. But read closer and you talk about some flawed people. In that chapter you will find murderers, adulterers, drunks, liars. But they all finished the race because they kept believing in the grace of God. And right after that chapter, the very next words of the writer are these. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We run a race others have run. A race others have finished, not because they were good, but because Jesus is. Not because they were tough, but because grace is tough. And know this. The race that you choose to run with your life is impacting other runners because somebody's running after you. Your family, your children, your coworkers, your neighbors, somebody is running after you, and the race you're running is affecting them. And so, look at this last picture of Stephen Siller. 34 years old, father of five. He'd just gotten off his shift for the New York Fire Department. He was heading in his truck to the golf course to meet up with his brothers for a round. When he got the word that two planes had flown into the World Trade Center. So he turned around. He headed toward Manhattan, but he couldn't get through the Brooklyn Battery Bridge because of blocked traffic. So he jumped out of his truck. He put on over 60 pounds of equipment. And he ran three miles into the buildings where he would die. Trying to save other people. Isn't there something inspiring about someone who will turn Around and run a different direction. And so you can next September go to New York and retrace that path in a 5K race in Stephen's honor. And you can run with some of New York's finest and help raise money for troubled youth in Staten Island. Help raise money to build houses for veterans of Iraq and Afghanistan who've come back missing limbs because of injuries in battle. The race, the path, the direction he chose is still having an impact. Because he turned around, and by the way, that's basically all the word repent means. It means I'm going one way, I'm going to go a new direction. And let me tell you something. You can always change your course. The enemy will tell you it's too late. He will tell you you've messed up too much. He will give you all the reasons why you are stuck in that wide path, running mindlessly, To an end you will never reach. It's not true. Jesus has come to announce. You can change course. Not in your strength but in His grace. And I'll tell you. This room and this church is filled with people. Who once were on the wrong track. And now they're running a better race. Come run with us. Because you get to choose your race. And amazing grace can help you run an amazing race. Would you all stand up please? I'm going to ask our prayer and response team to come down front. After I pray, we'll sing a song. And during that song, you have a chance to ask for prayer and support. If you don't like the direction your life is going, you might want someone to pray with you. You might need some counseling today. You might want to make the decision I made this very weekend some 40 years ago to give your life to Jesus and be baptized But you get to choose your race. You get to change your course. And we want to help. So I'm going to pray and you're going to come. And So Father, in Jesus' name now, I pray the Holy Spirit fill this room and the Holy Spirit fill our hearts. Give us the courage, God, to really examine if we're happy with the race we've been running. If we're really satisfied with the things that we're chasing. And Father, give us the conviction that we can run a better race. And that you, with all of our flaws and all of our missteps and all of our falls, can enable us to live a direction That's meaningful and peaceful. A direction Jesus has already run. He's blazed a trail, He's shown us a way, a better way. Right now, God, I know there's someone hearing my voice, either in this room, on the internet, maybe a year from now, listening to a CD. Who feel stuck. And intimidated. And God right now give them courage to take the step. That changes the direction of the rest of their life. Because Jesus is mighty. And he can help us do that. So for his glory God. Help us run a better race. Amen.